0: Hi, and welcome back to our podcast, School Buzz. Today I have with me Sam Yu, and we're going to talk about state testing and assessment. So um, welcome, Sam. Give me a short bio about yourself.
1: Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm married with two beautiful daughters. Um, My oldest one is in college. She's attending um, ABC. And I have a ninth grader. I've been in education for... Close to 25 years, um, 18 years as a Site Administrator and for the last 6 or 7 years as a Director of Assessment and EdTechs.
0: And you've been on my team for a while so I'm glad to have you here. We're going to be talking about testing today. So define assessment and how you used to use it as a teacher.
1: Right, right. Assessment is defined as a systematic collections review and use of information about educational programs. To improve learning for all students and and the key word is for all students because we want to make sure that we use that information to provide targeted support if we need to provide small group instructions Um, so it is part of uh, an integral part of um, education Um, it helps us determine if educations are being met or not for our students regardless of their background Um, it's really important that our teachers are using um, grade level assessment to Um, determine where their students are at, did the student um, meet the standards, um, or do they need to get additional support whether it's during the school hours or after school. So it's a great way for us to provide information to our students and also our families.
0: I I remember once I was uh, talking to a teacher and they said Um, I don't have time to assess. I am teaching. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) There's no way you can teach without assessing because you've got to know where the kids are, if they learned it. Do I need to go back and reteach it? Um, And even as simple like when we think about little tiny kids in preschool, you're doing constant assessment. You're watching to see, do they play nicely together? Can they share a toy? That's still assessment. You're seeing what the child needs to learn and then what you need to do to help them.
1: I think you know sometimes our teachers think about when we when we when they hear the word assessment, they're thinking about thirty, forty question, you know, like when you and I went to school. That's not the case. It could be an exit ticket and entrance tickets just to determine where the students are at and this allow our teachers to quickly plan their lesson for the next day. So you're absolutely right about that. We are constantly assessing our student. It may not be, you know, in a formal assessment, but we're constantly um, looking and, and reading and uh, collecting data all the time to ensure that we are doing what we need to do so that at the end of the year that we know where students are at.
0: Yeah and that we've, we've given them enough progress to get to the next grade Correct. level to mm-hmm. be successful. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So what are the different types of assessments and how are they used?
1: So in the classroom assessment generally have one of um, three purposes. We have assessment of learning assessment for learning, and assessment as learning. So let's begin with assessment of learning. Um, assessment of learning occurs when teachers use evidence of students' learning to make judgment on student achievement. So for example, when we're talking about um, assessment of learning, we're talking about summative assessment, mm-hmm. which is like a state assessment or at the end of a unit so that we want to see did our students meet the standards. Um, like
0: a summary of learning. Correct. right? Because that's what you, When we correct. talk about summative, it's a summary.
1: Right, right. So, um, and then the assessment for learning um, also described as assessment um, as learning. We assess students on the skills that you are teaching. Mm -hmm. So a good example for that would be your formative assessment, um, common assessment, exit ticket, entrance tickets, so that you can check to see where are your students in that particular skills and then you provide um, adjusted support as needed. Okay, so um, I'm going to talk about three types of assessment that we usually see in the classroom. The first one is diagnostic. IREADY is a good example of that, right? So it allows us to, um, at the beginning of the school year, allow us to see where our students are able and are not able to do. And then based on that, we can plan for the whole year in terms of providing support and making sure that we are addressing um, those... Um, high priority standards um, because we can't go back and trying to reteach you know for the last two years and COVID has a huge impact of what's happening across the nation um, and across the district so that's one of the type of assessments so
0: when we talk about iReady assessment um, and this was a conversation I had with my daughter because she said some of my kids didn't do well in their iReady assessment but when I watched them in class I know they know how to do this right so I told her that's only one assessment that is correct one assessment
1: that's you are absolutely right about that and remember that we are constantly you heard us mention earlier that we're constantly assessing our students so this is just one piece of data and we have been telling you know our teachers and our administrators that you have to use multiple measures. I am one of those students that I panic. I can be studying you know hours and hour on the day of the test and if I get stuck on one question that's it for me. Mm-hmm. You know my wife is opposite right and she, <laughs> she can study the night before and she can ace it. So we have to look at our students how they learn and how do we use multiple measure to support our students to ensure that They're getting what they need, so that's that's what we're talking about. The diagnostic, it's giving us the pre and the post, and see if you put structure in place, how are they going to perform again when we administer that test again, Mm -hmm. in in the in in the in the winter. Right. Okay. The other one is talking about formative assessment. Um, Again, those are uh, assess students' performance during uh, instruction. So it could be, you know. Four or five questions, exit ticket, entrance tickets, we do that all the time. And then the last one is the summative, which is the state assessment, the Smarter bonds Assessment, the LPAC for our English language learners.
0: One of the things that I was talking with Emily about how her kids were performing on iReady, I said, well, look at how the questions are being asked. Because sometimes the kids can do it the way we've asked them in class, but it's worded differently on the test. Correct. And so they might be thrown off by that or... Um, sometimes they'll throw in like, let's say they're in second grade and they've been doing adding and subtraction and they'll throw in a multiplication Right. and the kids will just freak out. I don't know how to do right, that yet. Right, right. Um, so look at the way things are being asked, not just the skill. Right, because I right. think that's really important. And,
1: and also we have to remember that I Ready is meant to be for the students who answer probably be about 50% of the question correct.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: remember, they're going to see some questions and it's adaptive. What it means by that is that if the student answers correctly, they may get a more challenging question. Mm-hmm. If they answer incorrectly, it may drop back to a, a, a lower level. So eventually, it's going to uh, ceiling off and then that's where we know when the student um, can and cannot do. And, and you're right about that, that we, we, we need to make sure that we are using the same rigor Um, in our instruction and also the assessment that we create. Um, You know, sometimes we we think that we are assessing the same level um, that the state or the the, uh, standard is is written. So for example, let's say that um, that particular skill is being assessed at a level three, where the kids have to apply. And we're constantly asking kids for recall. Um, We missed the boat completely. So when you're talking about academic language, I think it's really critical. If we use the word find answer, right? And on the state assessment and and how the standard is written, it's using the word evaluate. If we have not introduced that word, evaluate in the instruction, the kids may know how to find a solution, but they have never seen it, right? Now they're getting frustrated because, well, I, I don't know what the word evaluate is. So we need to make sure that our instruction and our assessment match to the same rigor and the same level that the standards are written.
0: I remember a long, long, long time ago when I was in the classroom um, and we were taking, I think it was a star assessment, and my kids were, I'm not a good speller, so my kids would always be really bad on spelling, and then I looked at how they were asking kids to do the mm-hmm. spelling. I'm like, right. oh, I'm going to do my weekly spelling test. Right. Not like a, we're still doing spelling tests, but, right. but <laughs> I, would, I would do them that in that format, and suddenly my scores just went right. up because... They were used to seeing that format, and it right. didn't trip them up.
1: Right, and and I think this is what you just said. It's it's really critical, especially for our, um, you know, our English language learner who's going to be taking the summative assessment, the LPAT. Um, TK all the way up to eighth grade. How can we incorporate some of the sample items, the practice and training test? Because the goal is that we want our students to see what it looks like, right? You might say, well, you're teaching to the test. No, the state released those resources because they want our students to be prepared when they're sitting in front of their computer taking the test. Smarter balance assessment, the same thing, third through eighth grade. There are so many tools that the state have released And think about, you know, if if you are a sport fan, right? Your coach, the coach is going to record the play, right? And then after that, what what do they do? They play by play, just review. And that's what we need to do. We want to make sure that our students have access to those tools. And what I have been told is that if the students just get familiar with the question format, the system, they will improve their scores by 50%. Well, just by I, doing that. And
0: right? <laughs> <could> do that. <laughs> that would be fabulous. Right? We'd be very happy. Right, be, right, right, right. We'd be having a party. Um, so what are the state assessments that are giving to, given to students every year?
1: Um, for our students in grade 3, um, three through 8th grade, they're going to take the state assessment, um, the CAS. And then so that's for 3rd through 8th um, grade. And also for students who are in our um, mott severe, are going to take the California alternate assessment, the CAA. Um, for third through eighth grade. And our fifth and eighth grade is gonna take the science, the California science assessment. And um, fifth and seventh grade also is gonna take the physical fitness. And finally, um, TK through eighth grade is gonna take the summative ELPAC um, assessment. And usually it happens like the LPAC is gonna start sometime in February. And for the Smarter Balance assessment, it's gonna start sometime in um, April.
0: How did fifth grade get so lucky with PE tests and? I know, I I I know. So so
1: that's I I know. And unfortunately, you know, if they happen to be our EL, then they're gonna take the summative, APAC also. I know. A lot of assessments. Right, right. Mm -hmm. That's not
0: that's not very fair. No,
1: no, no. And I think that's that's where I I have seen teachers who have done amazing and have seen um, really high performing is that they incorporate. Different assessment um, skills and strategies throughout their instructional day, so that the kids actually realize that it's part of their instruction. It's not something brand new, you know. So, and 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 that's where you know I had some conversation at. Um, you know, a certain school that I'm, I'm going to, I always use uh, Sunnydale. I'm going to give a shout out to Sunnydale third grade um, because they tend to outperform many of the third grade in our district. And one of the things that I had asked, I'm like, what exactly are mm-hmm. are you doing? And um, one of the teachers had mentioned to me was that um, he incorporate the sample items, the, the IABs, the training and practice tests as part of his instruction. So the kids get so used to the format. Mm-hmm. So when it's time for them to take the Smarter Bounce assessment, it's just another assessment that they've been doing all year long.
0: Right. What about um, performance tests? Because that's kind of a, oh, a, yes, a new yes. thing, mm-hmm. that the state tests. Right. Um, which we, when I was a teacher, there was just, you know, fill in the bubble. Right, there was nothing right. that you had to you had to show your knowledge. Right. So to talk about I, that I think
1: bit. that's really critical because... Um, A lot of the questions are asking our students to make connections, Mm -hmm. that application piece, right? So when you're asking your students, just checking for understanding, don't just accept one answer. Ask them, what do you find in the text? Can you justify your answer? Explain to another person. I feel like when our students are able to articulate what they what they learn, they're more likely to retain, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for um, us adults. So anytime that we are able to incorporate some sort of performance task and not just asking them recall questions, we're going to see an increase in their learning. So incorporate, you know, um, asking them um, about, site evidence and one of the things I'm glad you brought this up and then this is something that we had I had monitored is that um, for the smaller bounce assessment you would think that the claim for listening our score would be a lot higher yes. and that is not the case at all and, and I think what happened is that you know, our kids are so being exposed to technology, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not asking to go deeper in terms of what they're listening to. So how can we incorporate a short video where the teacher stop the video and ask some high-level questioning and ask him, well, what do you think and, and what, what what are your opinion and why do you say that, right? So now our kids are getting used to that format. And it's also something that our parents can definitely can do, you know, because, you know, I you know before um, I always ask my daughter, how, how did how did school and and i'm like now i'm, I'm shifting to what did you learn today mm-hmm. tell me more about it right so now you're having conversation with your child and not just asking well how did how, how what did you do at school, right?
0: Well, and I think very popular right now are podcasts. Not right. Maybe not this podcast, but other podcasts. And um, when my ne- nephew and nieces were out this last year, um, I asked them because she's about 12 years old, I said, oh, do you listen to any podcasts? And she's like, oh, I listen to Laura And I'm like, oh, I listen to Laura And, I'm like, oh, to Lore. and I'm like, you know, I get a lot of my information now, listening to podcasts, listening right. to news as I'm driving into work. And I'm wondering if maybe if we did some of those at home. Right. That maybe that would increase the listening because you don't have anything to look at. Right. You've just got to listen and pay attention. If you didn't hear it, you can you know kind of scroll back. But I wonder if po- listening to podcasts would be a good way for kids. Oh, to Oh yeah, get and, more information. and and
1: I think this can be done across subject level, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be you know in social in, in language art. It can be done in social study right. using the social study content but addressing language art standards. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me being an English language learner,s. I need to see the screen, I need to see the word, right? But unfortunately on the state assessment, there's no word, there's nothing, it's just a blank screen and our, t- our students have to really listen carefully and be able to you know, interpret what they just heard. So mm-hmm. I think that's really critical. So how can we incorporate something like that throughout our lessons so that our kids are um, being exposed to that kind of format?
0: Well, and I was also thinking, um, we've got Sora and they've got mm-hmm. lots of audiobooks yes. on right. there. And just that—that that skill of listening, right? Because um, you would think our listening scores would be a lot higher. I, think that's I agree, easy one, right? I know, it, I yeah. know,
1: and unfortunately, that is not the case. And I think part of it—I—I I feel like we do a lot of that at the lower grade level. Mm-hmm. As we move up through um, the grade level, I—I I, I think teachers feel that it's—it's it's more challenging, but. I'm sure they can find a way to incorporate that as part of their instruction. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't have to be a lengthy, right. you know, a video. It could just be something that's happening in in the community right now. You know, play a short snip of the video and ask some high-level questioning, allowing them to have discussion in their group, that mm-hmm. collab- collaborative um, groups, and ask for their feedback. That's a great opportunity for them to um, utilize those skills. Yeah,
0: I love it. That's a great idea, Sam. Um, so how when we take the state assessment, so that data doesn't come back to us until right. during the summer, right, right. Know, When the kids come back, so I don't have those students anymore, right. So how, why would that why would that data be valuable to me as a teacher because those kids are gone,
1: right, right. The first thing I want to say is that I the state is doing a lot better. Um, we um, our district used the electronic electronic school report where as soon as students are done, um, their turnaround is a lot quicker. So teachers can actually. Um, go in to power School because we upload that information automatically into PowerSchool School to um, allow them to see what's going on. the The summative assessment really allow our you know district or site administrator or teachers to reflect. The learning that happened, right? You can't go back and change, but you can definitely identify key areas. So if I was focusing on small group instruction, and in one of the one of the area that I'm focusing on is finding inference, right? I can go back and say, hey, you know what? It was really successful. The strategy that I implement, oh, you know what? It wasn't really successful. But how can I tweak that, right? right. Because the, it's it's all data already. However, it allow us as a district, as a school site, to allocate resources. To address the need of all our students, and especially our at-risk um, population, our African American students, our students with a learning disability, or EL populations, or foster and homeless. So how can we utilize that so that we can provide? You know, um, I-, I love what Jane is doing right now with the expanded learning opportunity because sometimes our kids, you know, especially if they are struggle readers, they have to take double math, double language art, right? And then sometimes that and prevent them from getting excited right so having that expanded learning opportunity really allow our students to experience um some uh, fun at the same time, actually learning using academic language, you know, so.
0: Exactly, exactly. Hey, learning when you don't even know you're Right, right, mm-hmm, stuff. right. I know as a teacher, I was incredibly competitive. You'll be surprised to hear that. <laughs> and so when I get, when, get my scores back, I would always look at it like, what can I do to improve right. my instruction? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, this was weak for me what do I need to do right. so my kids understand this better because I want to be better than this school over here? Because right. that, that's that was my motivation right. was and to be better. Right, and that
1: was that was the reason why I, I gave the example of the listening claim because that was something that you can definitely seeing that that particular claim was a struggle for us across the district. Mm-hmm. And so how can we incorporate in our daily instruction moving forward knowing that that's an area of, of focus? And also, you know, our third through eighth grade um, you know, we have the 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 interim assessment, the IABS and FIABS. The data really allow our teachers to identify appropriate um, interim assessment to administer. I wouldn't want to administer an IABS or a skill that I know it's a strength for my students coming in, right? So if I know that, for example, they don't know how to solve multiple step equation, you know, so that would be an area that I'm going to use the data to to uh, determine. Hey, you know what? I may have to spend a more time in that particular skill. Mm-hmm. I know we have YAG that allow us to kind of map out for the whole year, um, but having the data in advance allow us to say, hey, you know what, according to the YAG, it's identifying 10 days, right? But if majority of my students got it, why would I spend 10 days on that particular skill? I'm going to bank that 10 days for something else that I know they're going to need more day on because they're coming in already um, below grade level.
0: Exactly. And I, I know when I was a teacher, um, geometry was always kind of low in statistics. Mm-hmm. And so I would always include that into my science. So we do a lot of graphing. We do a lot of uh, charting and then looking at the charts and graphs to interpret the information. And that just built that skill when you can kind of integrate your mm-hmm. subjects together. Right. Um, they, and, get, and they get to hit it more than one time.
1: I am so glad you brought um, up about geometry and statistics. If you look at the blueprint, those particular claims or skills are being... Um, instruct at the later time. Right. So this is the reason why, and I have to give um, kudos to Mrs. Thompson and her team, that when they build that um, YAC together, they really take a look at the blueprint because the state assessment is that by the time the students are getting ready to take the Smarter bounce assessment, 66% of the instruction has already completed already. Right. And so a majority of the questions um, for mathematics has to do with claim one, which is um, our concept and procedures. And that is addressing the grade level standards, mm-hmm. and and we cannot forget about you know the application piece that you had mentioned in, um, earlier in terms of performance tasks. How can you incorporate? Um, those skills so so for example knowing that you're not going to get to geometry or statistic until later on and it could potentially be around state testing so how can you incorporate some of the skills throughout the year knowing that you may not have the same um, time frame in terms of instruction on those particular skills
0: right exactly so what can parents do to help kids at home?
1: Right, right. So what we have seen is that parents who are involved in their child education, their students tend to have um, better grades, better attendance, be, um, better behavior, um, overall just higher achievement. So there are things that definitely parents can do is check in with their students and, and making sure that they are involved in their child education. What I mean by that, um, you know, call the teachers, have a conversation, um, if, if, if you have not created a Powell School account,
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes,
1: that is first thing that you need to do. Um, I have um, a freshman and I know she's not happy with me that I'm actually <laughs> sharing this information, but um, my wife and I created an account and every time that an assignment gets turned in, I get a notification on my phone and if there's a missing assignment, I know right away so I can have a conversation with her and provide the support um, that is necessary. Um, also, um, make learning fun, you know, create a, a quiet place for your child to to do work, you know, have some sort of schedule, encourage them to read mm-hmm. um, as you are going to the grocery, you know, have them do some sort of calculation. And if you're baking and if the child is learning about measurement, have them help with the recipe, right, you know, yeah. so those are the things that I feel like you can really incorporate um, in, you know, the daily activity and, and just asking, um, the students how they're doing what they're learning and really be proactive and not waiting until report cards come out or the end of the year Right and, and exactly. that ongoing relationship with the school. I, I think it's really critical
0: I spent a lot of time reading to my kids mm. and um, sev- Several of my children have learning disabilities and so even though they weren't great readers I would read to them right and like my oldest son probably is better, is more well read than I am at this point. He But he listens on audio books. <laughs> right. But he loves story. And that's because I spent hours and hours reading to that kid. Right. Um, and I think that that's just so important to do as a parent. Right. Even if they're not reading, you read to them. Right. Or I'd read a, a page, they'd read a page. I'd right. read a page. Or I'd read three pages, you read one. Right. Um, just so they get the practice, but they also get to hear the story and hear how it sounds. Um, I think that's, Right. So valuable for and,
1: children. And, you know, you, you are teaching um, your kids to be lifelong learners, right? And also show them that, hey, we adults continue to learn, right? There's so much information, new information comes up all the time. And it's also a great opportunity for family to spend time together.
0: mm mm-hmm. Exactly. So. And to, to, to share things, like when, I, when my um, niece JoJo was out and we were talking about Lore, and she talked about the things that she liked in that podcast. I'm like, oh, see, we can talk about something that she likes, that I like, right? That, that's not academic, but she's right. still getting something out of it and learning a little bit about folklore and stuff, so it's right, that, right. interesting. So I don't have a topic for the next one. I'll just like grab somebody off the street and say, hey, do a podcast <laughs> with me. Um, we're in October. Uh, what are you going to be for Halloween, Sam?
1: You know, we actually have a uh, family get-together this weekend, and I, I told my family I'm going to dress like my dad.
0: Oh, that'd be fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's I I think this is the first time um, you know, one of our relative her birthday is this month and she wanted a Halloween party. So yes. So it's happening this Saturday, so I'm I'm excited.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah, we have a couple of family Halloween, just things. We got. Uh, I think I'm booked every weekend until the next wedding. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's coming up and a lot of things going on, but it should be a fun month. Yes, yes. All right, well, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate you. You
1: are welcome. Thank you for helping uh, me this morning. Um, feel free to connect with our department if parents have any question on how to interpret. Also reach out to the, the school and the teacher, you know, so we're here to support.
0: That's right. Thank you, Sam. All right.